0: Christians are at a crossroads. What's at stake? The ability to freely live out the gospel in America. Christians are constantly in the spotlight. Social media and a 24-hour news cycle have increased polarizing rhetoric. Bringing religion into the equation only makes it worse. On Behind the Front Lines, religious liberty in America. We'll hear from people like you and me, who found themselves in the midst of a cultural battle for religious freedom, and discover how our culture impacts people, court cases, and the general arc of history. But first, we'll explore how cultural and legal hardship is met with joy by the defenders, the lawyers at Alliance Defending Freedom who've made fighting these battles their life's calling. This is Behind the Front Lines religious liberty in America. We spoke with attorneys Eric Stanley and Christiana Holcomb, who work with Alliance Defending Freedom's Church and Ministry Alliance programs. Legal challenges for the church and Christian ministries in America are growing more and more complex. That's a need the ADF Church and Ministry Alliance membership programs were created to meet. And while at first it may not seem like there's a need for active advocacy here in America, you'll hear how ordinary Christians are facing incredibly challenging legal situations, whether they want to or not. What may at first seem innocuous on the surface turns out actually to be an existential threat to how we as Christians can live out our faith in America. If you're familiar with Alliance Defending Freedom, or ADF, you know of them as a Christian legal nonprofit based in Scottsdale, Arizona, that often is seen working on cases more recently centered on gender identity or sexual orientation. These easily sensationalized and divisive cases are covered more often by the media, but they don't represent the whole picture of what ADF is responsible for. ADF's mission and focus is bigger than that, to ensure that religious liberty in America is protected for everyone. Religious liberty may sound ambiguous. Let's get to the bottom of that. ADF has been around for 25 years, and their cases have spanned local, state, and national issues ranging from land use to freedom of speech. As we looked at each of these cases, what became clear is that ADF is fighting for a means for Christians to live out their faith. In the past seven years alone, ADF has been to the Supreme Court nine times. That's right, nine times at the Supreme Court, the highest court in our land. That's a surprising statistic and background for a Christian legal nonprofit. And those cases tend to be about what appear to many to be innocuous religious liberty issues. So I sat down with Eric and Christiana to learn more from them about ADF and the work they do.
1: So, fun fact, I never wanted to be a lawyer growing up. My dad's side of the family were all attorneys, all the super boring areas of law like tax and probate. So that was my first exposure to the practice of law, and I wanted absolutely nothing to do with it.
0: Christiana didn't always want to be an attorney, but her perspective changed in college when she took part in the work of a pro-life organization.
1: I... Kind of went to law school on a whim, I guess you would say. Although we know big picture wise, this is clearly the path that the Lord had for me. But yeah, didn't didn't really know that I wanted to be a lawyer. And honestly, even early on, I had no intention of actually practicing law. I was interested in doing pro-life policy, or at least that's what I thought I wanted to do with my life. But the Lord had very different plans. About halfway through law school, I had the opportunity to participate in ADF's Blackstone Legal Fellowship Program. And it was through that experience that I really became introduced to the broader concepts of religious freedom and what that means not only here domestically in the United States, but internationally as well. And that really, well, Truthfully, I had the opportunity to work with Eric Stanley on the church team when I interned for ADF, and from there, um, kind of sparked a relationship that then created the opportunity for me to come back and actually do this work with Alliance Defending Freedom to protect the freedoms of churches and Christian ministries across the country.
0: A moment or experience can change the course of our life. That's what happened to Christiana, and it's a common theme in this series— we'll be talking to people who are choosing to take the narrow path to live out their faith. Eric Stanley found himself faced with religious liberty challenges that hit close to home early in his life. Eric was homeschooled in the eighties when it was illegal to do so due to compulsory education laws.
2: And some States were still saying the only option you would have is either a Christian school or, you know, like a, a private school, uh, or public school. So homeschooling was not allowed. And, uh, yeah, you know, my parents believed so strongly in homeschooling, and there weren't any private schools where we lived because uh, it was a pretty rural area. Uh, and so they they made the decision to take the risk and do it. And I remember thinking at the time, like, why should we have to risk that? And, and as I mentioned, there were there were stories of some families who the kids had been taken and put into state care simply because they were being homeschooled. Uh, and and I remember kind of thinking, well, my parents really had. had had done this decision because they wanted to pass on the faith. Uh, they didn't see that being done in the public schools where we lived. Uh, and they really wanted their children to, to do something different, to have a different form of education that wasn't hostile to the scriptures or the, to the Bible, uh, but that incorporated it and built on it. And so that was really kind of where that came from. Now, that, thankfully, that's all changed. And homeschooling is now legal in every state in the country. Uh, but it wasn't like that. Uh, even as early as back in the
0: 1980s. Later in high school, Eric was inspired by these experiences and the work that Jay Sekulo was doing to pursue a career as an attorney, along with his love for reading and writing. I thought, you know, I could do
2: that. I think I could take the talents and gifts that God's given me. I was a reader. I loved to read. I loved to write. Um, you know, that those are things that really were, I was interested in. And I could take those gifts and kind of use them in a way that could help other people. And the Lord just confirmed that through a series of circumstances that led me to law school and and ultimately into the religious liberties field right out of law school where I've been for the last 20 years. But it's just it really was sparked out of a desire to kind of right some wrongs, to see people of faith be able to live out their faith freely, um, to see the gospel go forward fully. Uh, to not have hindrances to the gospel put into place by governments and, uh, you know, laws and officials and things like that. So, uh, So yeah, it's been a journey, probably like it has been for everybody, like it obviously has been for Christiana and I, to get me where I am here.
0: For Eric and Christiana, the journey to ADF was a calling to put their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ before themselves, honor God with personal and professional sacrifices, and take on legal battles in defense of those who aren't able to defend themselves. Many at ADF have similar stories like Eric and Christiana. This holy discontent propels them forward to deal with legal matters that many individuals or churches wouldn't know how to handle on their own. Most recently, Christiana has been representing a church in South Carolina that was denied access to the public space of their local civic center to meet for church services. You wouldn't think this would be a problem. We're free to assemble, aren't we?
1: In late fall of last year, um, I had an oral argument down in the Charleston, South Carolina area, defending the right of a church to have equal access to government facilities. So what we had going on is we had a brand new church startup that was really excited about bringing the gospel to its community. It had been meeting in a, in a home, but needed a little bit more space. So it scouted out the area and found this fantastic civic center in its local community that was open to the entire Edisto Beach community, except for those who wanted to host it for religious worship services. And that really caused the, the pastor and leadership team to say, huh, can, can they legally do that? Can, they, can the government of Edisto Beach legally discriminate against those of us who want to use the building on the same terms as everyone else simply because we want to use it to worship in. So they got in touch with Alliance Defending Freedom. It's been our privilege to represent that church. And we filed a federal lawsuit because, no, the Supreme Court of the United States for decades has been extremely clear that the government can't treat religious speech worse than it treats everyone else and so we had an oral argument uh, last late last November uh, where we discussed this with the judge the opposing side also presented arguments um, we're still waiting on a ruling in that case but we um, Things are already looking very hopeful and and quite optimistic, because shortly after that oral argument, the city of Edisto Beach actually changed its policy back to remove that discriminatory provision so that churches in the community are now free to use the government building, the civic center, just on the same terms as every other member of their community. And we're real excited about that development.
0: For the outside world, the work of ADF and the Christians they represent is easily misunderstood. I was curious to hear what Eric and Christiana had to say about it.
2: Religious liberty is for everybody, and it's our it is our first freedom, and it is something that is so vital uh, that we have to protect it. Uh, we understand that there are limits to religious liberty when the government has a compelling interest uh, in protecting something. So, as an example, that's why we don't allow child sacrifice uh, in our. Our country for religious purposes. You know, the government has a compelling interest in protecting life. So we do understand that there are some limits to that, and we've we've tried to kind of balance those over the years. The problem that I have is when people start to look at religious liberty as, in essence, a a shill for discrimination or a front for bigotry. Uh, What I think that does is it devalues religious liberty. It says that, well, you're not really looking at this as an exercise of your religion, you're really looking at religious liberty as something you can use in order to trample on other people. Uh, And I know that for Christians, that is not the case. And and that is something that, you know, we say, no, our religious liberty is central and primary. It's part of our humanity. It's part of, of human dignity to be able to worship God in the way we see fit. Uh, that's how our country was founded, to provide that right, that ability to do that. Uh, and so I think we've st- we've been successful in striking the balance so far in this country yes. on religious liberty up until kind of recent years where people have started to pick up this mantra of, well, just stop using your religion as an excuse to discriminate. Uh, and I think that just devalues religious liberty to the extent mm. that it just becomes something that is a, a mask for bigotry, which is not true.
0: If religious liberty is for everybody, our first freedom, ADF's engagement of the courts for these matters and principle on behalf of their clients should be perfectly understandable. Even organizations like the ACLU have articulated an appreciation for ADF.
1: The ACLU recently filed an amicus brief in our support in one of our academic freedom cases. So again, just goes to show the breadth of the organizations who, while we may not agree on all issues, they recognize the good work that Alliance Defending Freedom is doing.
0: Other religions and legal organizations are finding agreement with Alliance Defending Freedom and their focus on religious liberty.
2: What they see is the impact that the particular case that we're, we are defending or, pro, or litigating could have on them. Uh, so in and, and our, our stance, which is we've been very vocal about this, that free exercise of religion is not just for Christians. It's for every faith. Right. It's for everybody. And so I think they feel a comfort with coming on board and saying, yes, this is an important case that not only affects Christians, it affects other faith groups as well.
1: So I have certainly, in recent memory, filed amicus briefs with the United States Supreme Court on behalf of a Muslim inmate. Um, it was a religious. case that was filed under what's called RELUPA, the Religious Land Use and Institutionalized Persons Act. It has major implications, interestingly enough, for church use of property and church zoning, as well as inmates' free exercise rights. And again, it, the fundamental principle that we're trying to advance here is that religious freedom, for one, is religious freedom for everyone so if the religious freedom of this muslim inmate is protected then my religious freedom and that of my neighbor and that of my church is protected as well
0: adf navigates a breadth of issues related to religious liberty while some may have been important during a moment in time they're always looking at the bigger picture internally they reference the bigger picture using a specific term, generational winds.
2: The concept of generational wins is something that we've been thinking about at ADF uh, internally and, and starting to talk through. And it really is the concept that what we are called to are the issues that our generation is facing. And so, You know We're not going to fix every single problem and usher in utopia here in America. Uh, That's just not going to happen. That's not really what Scripture says is going to happen. Instead, what we're going to do is to fight the battles that we've been facing in our generation that impact our ability to share the gospel and to live it out freely. And how can we do that in a way that moves the ball forward significantly within our generation? There really is, in many respects, with that concept of generational wins, uh, a conservatism that's there. And, And it's not a political kind of conservatism. It's a how can we conserve the freedoms that we have so that the future generations that come after us, our children, our grandchildren, those that follow, can also enjoy those same freedoms. And I think every generation has to kind of stand and look at that and say, what is our responsibility and role In this time in this place where God has put us in this country to conserve the faith so that other generations can can really enjoy that same freedom that we have
0: taking a step back then it's easy to see how and why ADF would have been involved with someone like Jack Phillips Jack turned down the opportunity to create a cake for a same-sex couples wedding on the basis that it conflicted with his religious beliefs in turn He and his business was then penalized by the state of Colorado. He was the recipient of an outpouring of hate speech aimed at his family and his faith on a local and national scale. His experience proves both the difficulty and the importance of fighting these religious liberty battles. And it helps clarify why ADF is so stubbornly focused on generational wins. Here's Eric on more about that.
2: One of the best examples of that that I've seen is our client jack phillips uh, the masterpiece cake shop cake uh, in colorado um, who really was just peacefully trying to live out his faith he's gladly serving everybody but just doesn't want to be forced to celebrate and participate in celebrating events that violate his faith that's that's not a popular stand to take today Um, he's faced death threats Uh, he's faced all kinds of vile things that come across uh, his email his phone uh, protests at his house. He one, you know, he tells a heartbreaking story of just his own emotional reaction to a guy calling up one day and saying, "I know where your business is, and I'm on my way down to get you," and how he had to hide his his daughter and his granddaughter who was at the shop, and you know, just a a really, I think it can be fairly traumatic at times. But yet, Jack is probably one of the most gentle guys that you would ever see and get to meet and he exudes Christ, um, in that gentleness. And so, yeah, I, you know, these kinds of things, I think as our country becomes more polarized and more divided on the issue of religious liberty, uh, as it seems, the divide seems to be deepening, uh, then it seems like the persecution becomes less polite um, and more, more heavy. And so it may be that Christians are, are in for that in the coming days, uh, but yet it is interesting, even in those situations where I've seen Jack, you know, kind of be traumatized in some respect by what's happened. Uh, he still can count it all joy to suffer for the name of Christ. That's really
0: his attitude. It's amazing to see how the discourse in our country played out for Jack. To us, ADF's mission might seem heroic, but they don't see themselves that way
1: our clients are our heroes. So as we're walking through these deeply challenging circumstances and litigation with them, um, it's just absolutely incredible to watch them walk that path with joy, with confidence that the Lord has called them to this and that the Lord is accomplishing his good purposes through it. And so as we see their courage and their joy and their faith, we're inspired um, as we're, even as we're, you know, trying to, to, Defend them, advocate for their freedom, advocate both in the, the court of law and in public opinion. It's, it's really our privilege to do so. So I would say that our relationships with our clients um, become, they become very much like family. You know, as you, as you walk through deep waters together, um, I think there's a bond there that, that lasts.
0: Believe it or not, the testimonies of these believers can even have an impact on opposing counsel
2: where I was representing uh, a drug and alcohol rehab center that was faith-based and was, had been really doing great work in turning lives around uh, and, and providing a place for the broken to really go and be safe and, and learn and grow. Uh, in the course of that case, I think as we did depositions in that case, where uh, I just remember that our client uh, at one point during the deposition looking out over the courtyard, Um where the deposition was being held and and telling opposing counsel, he said, you know, look, uh, six years ago, I was in this courtyard, high as a kite, uh, strung out on crack, and look at me now, I'm in a suit, I'm sitting in a conference room, and I'm talking to you. And I just saw kind of the shift in opposing counsel's perspective of, okay, this this is something different that we're dealing with here. It's not what we may have thought that it was before. Uh, and and that that can be pretty powerful from that perspective. We always try to keep in mind we may be the only Jesus that opposing counsel ever sees. You know, assuming that they're not in Christ, and so we really try to take that responsibility seriously to say, how can we show them? Yes, we're going to go. We're committed to excellence. We're committed to victory. We're going to fight hard. But how can we do that in a Christ centered way where we're also demonstrating the love of Jesus and and the role that that Christ can play. And that the gospel plays in our life, uh, you know, clients on the stand getting opportunities to share the gospel in open court, uh, because they're asked to give account for what they're doing. That always has an impact, and uh, it's those are kind of the fun moments that I look back on and see where where the client's ability to tell their story really has shifted
0: perspectives on things. Now. You may be thinking to yourself how great it is that ADF exists to help out Christians when they're faced with legal issues they wouldn't have known existed. And knowing ADF's heart for generational wins, it only makes sense that they would offer a service to help the church and nonprofit Christian ministries navigate these issues before they arise. It's one thing to have a group like ADF to turn to when you need a lawyer or group of attorneys to help in these matters. but. Wouldn't it be even better to have a legal advocate before it comes to bear?
2: So one of the great things that we're doing now at ADF is the ADF Church Alliance, the ADF Ministry Alliance. Um, Because of the things that we've been talking about here, we've just seen a need to really dig in more at the local level with churches and with ministries. There's so many churches that I've seen over the years. Like I said, I've been doing this work for about 20 years where churches really uh, have encountered religious liberty battles and may not understand that it is a religious liberty issue or may not know who to turn to uh, or may not even understand what steps they could take or be afraid uh, that doing something might compromise their witness or their ability to share the gospel. And so the Church Alliance really and the Ministry Alliance for, for Religious Ministries are really programs that give us the ability to talk one-on-one with churches, with ministries, to handle those questions, uh, those issues of religious liberty, and then, when appropriate, to stand and to litigate on their behalf in a way that opens up more space for the gospel to go forward. And it's been encouraging to see that, as opposed to having to kind of limit what we do at ADF for strategic reasons, uh, to say, well, we can only take on a few cases— Uh, Now with this program, we can help every church that comes to us with a religious liberty issue. We can help every ministry that comes to us with a religious liberty issue. Uh, It's been eye-opening to see how many religious liberty issues are out there that we may not have seen before, but now through this Church Alliance program and the Ministry Alliance program, we're able to handle. And it can even be as simple as something like a phone call to an attorney to say, what about this particular issue? You know, for example, what about, you know, I've got a transgender youth that is wanting to go to youth camp. You know, I, I want to be able to do this in a God-honoring way to minister to this person, but what are the legal implications surrounding that? And, and it's interesting to see when we're able to talk through those things and to help churches, how we can really free churches up uh, to minister more freely through a program like this.
0: Our thanks to Eric, Christiana, and the team of attorneys and staff at Alliance Defending Freedom. Who have dedicated themselves and their careers to the protection of our religious liberty. On the next behind the front lines, religious liberty in America, a church in California finds out that their tithes, gifts, and offerings are being used to support abortions, and it wasn't their decision to support this. The state gets to override your religious convictions, and it's going to force you to do what you don't want to do. It was stunning. Tune in for the next episode to hear more about the challenges and burdens this church in America is facing on the behalf of our religious liberty. Behind the Front Lines is paid for by Alliance Defending Freedom and produced by CT Creative Studio. We encourage you to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and to share, rate, and review the program so others can discover the work ADF is doing. You can learn more about ADF's Church and Ministry Alliance programs at adfchurchalliance.org.